Hello, and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. Together, we are bringing you ideas about education, entrepreneurship, relationships that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Ravi Rajanathram. I didn't quite get that right. Um, isn't it Ravi? It, Dr. Ravi is an executive and leadership development coach and author who coaches and leads workshops to help people tap into their inner strength, overcome root causes of stress and constraints, equip them with tools for enhanced mental fitness, and achieve a transformational shift towards sustained peak performance, overall well being, and a success in their professional and personal lives. Dr. Ravi is also actively involved in community service focused on helping the homeless mentoring transitioning special force veterans into their second career and supporting youth education and well-being in rural, local areas and internationally. He recently published a book, Hardwiring versus Rewiring, Shaping the Mindset, Skill Set and Behaviors During Early Childhood Development, which is aimed at helping understand the importance of proper cognitive wiring in early childhood and a precursor resource to all those that are currently in their cognitive rewiring process to overcome their limitations. Boy, that's a lot, Dr. Robbie. <laughs> Would you like to like bring that home and, and make that a little more specific for our viewers today? Welcome. Sure. Uh, thank you, first of all, for having me today. It's an honor. And uh, I'm originally from Malaysia. I came to this country back in 1985 to go to school. And uh, worked myself. I did not have any money coming into this United States here. Just one year's tuition. I have no idea how I was going to pay for my college, but I did. Uh, but essentially, like you said, I am an executive coach and a leadership development training workshop facilitator. And uh, for the last 10 years, I've been working as a strategic advisor and an executive coach for organizations, large organizations with their digital transformation efforts and also helping them to achieve peak performance. And as I was working with a lot of these individuals and to find out what was actually blocking their achievement, it always led back to their early childhood, whether it was a broken family or lack of a, lack of a role model or whatever, right? So that kind of prompted me to write the book about hardwiring versus rewiring and the importance about how do we make sure that we understand how we are cognitively wired before we start the rewiring process. Because right now, if you were to go type in, in a Google search, I, I urge your audience to do this live while we are watching this, right? Uh -huh. Type in, in a Google search, healing your inner child, and you'll see at least 50 to 60 million search results. Oh, yeah. So the first question that should come up to your mind is like, why are we healing our inner child? when it should have been filled with joy and laughter and adventure and creativity and all this, right? And then the other thing that compelled me to write the book was when I came across this United Nations statistic that said that 250 million children under the age of five are developmentally delayed globally. 250 million. Way too These many. are pre-COVID numbers, yeah. right? And guess what? they're going to be burdened to society later on, right? And especially when zero to five is when your neuroplasticity is the highest. That's when the brain grows the largest, 90% to adult size by the time it's age five. And they're born with like 86 billion neurons mm -hmm. and just waiting to be hooked up. You know, those are it's called synapses. Yes. So 
what I did was writing in this book is providing an instruction manual for parents, early childcare providers, and even teachers. How do you nurture the mindset, skill set, and behaviors during early childhood? Because we all grew up doing parenting to best of our knowledge based on how we were raised, right? But nobody actually gave them an instruction manual. So this was essentially with an instruction manual. And I also bring that into my coaching practice as well, because that is the cognitive science part of it in terms of understanding how you are cognitively wired. Because if I were to just give you a framework or a methodology to overcome conflict management or accountability or relationship and trust and things like that, you might not actually tapping the root cause, right? Because a true leader appears when it's stress, right? Yeah. So if I did not touch you, you know, if I did not uncover what your root cause inhibitors are, guess what? You're going to revert that, revert back to that when you, times of stress. Yeah. So that's why I understand the cognitive wiring is important. And then after that, I get into the neuroscience part of it in terms of, okay, now that we know that, how can we build new neural pathways, right? So this becomes part of the new neural pathways to with new habits and then give you different strategies and how you can make sure it's sustainable by habit formation. Because typically I've heard so many different variations. It takes 21 days to do the same thing before it becomes habit and things like that. And why is that important? Because 95% of what we do is controlled by our subconscious mind. That's where our belief system, our biases and all that are. And guess when that was formed? During zero to five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so amazing because people do say a lot, oh, I, you know, children don't come with a handbook. How do we know even what to do with them? And so it's really important that parents take it upon themselves to find books like this that will help them or to go to some parenting classes or getting help through family knowledge, whatever it is to help make them the best parents that they can be. I agree. I agree. Because if you look at how families have evolved as well, the nucleus family has changed, right? Because yeah. when we were growing up, grandparents were there or whatever. Now it might be a single parent or both parents are working. It's daycare. We have no idea what's going on, right? So in all fairness to them, they're all busy, right? That's why I'll make sure in this book as well, I've given them bite-sized strategy, yes. right? And how can you implement it in your day-to-day interaction with your child? You know, simple things like speaking out loud, you know, it's more of the quality versus the quantity, right? And making sure that they are mimicking everything because they're just, like I said, they're waiting to be hooked up. You know, they're observing everything. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes they repeat something. It's like, where did you hear that? A while from mom and dad. Right, exactly. (laughs) Sometimes it's those things you don't want them repeating that they hear in the car when there's bad traffic, right? Exactly, exactly. Let's not do that one. Yeah. No, I mean, even teachers, you know, we've gone through our child psychology classes and things like that. So we get a little bit of a leg up on that. But there's still so much new research about the brain and things like that that has come to light in just the last few years. And in your book, you have a section where you kind of talk about the different stages of the brain development. Can you go over those real quick so parents can get a better understanding? You know, just give us some highlights so sure. they understand better why this age is so important. Exactly. So, yes, there is a diagram in the in the book. And before we get there, it's important to understand what are the early childhood development skills, mm-hmm. right? If you were to ask the parents what they are, they, you have different answers. So besides the motor skills, it is cognitive skills, mm-hmm. language and communication, 
and social and emotional. Mm-hmm. And different parts of the brain, whether it's the prefrontal contact, uh, contact cortex, or whether it's the limbic system, or you know, different parts of the brain grow at different stages from zero to five. So how do you accentuate the different things when you're doing with that, you know, when you're interacting with them, whether it's the language and communication or what, this is the prime period between two and five. So right. I kind of map that out between two and five or zero and one and three nice. and five. These are the highlights. So kind of amp up some of the things that you're doing mm-hmm. in terms of cognitive abilities or language and communication or social and emotional. Right. And the beauty about this whole thing is you don't need any expensive toys or gadgets or fancy books. All the best toy a child could have is your parent, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And, and I also, yeah, right, experience again? exactly, yeah. right? So that's the best toy. But guess what? You know, we don't behave the right way, we don't have the time for that. Even when we are home, mm-hmm. we're looking at a cell phone and talking to the child, right? Are you looking in the eyes and things like that? Guess what? The child would do mimic the same thing, mm-hmm. right? So I also go in my book, I talk about the four C's. Gently is like, you know, uh, critical thinking, compassion, you know, conscientiousness and things like that. I said, what, what are those? And how could you model that towards your child? Right. I hope I, I heard a comment down there. What were you going to say? Curiosity was your fourth C. Yes, curiosity. Because I, to me, I think curiosity is where you actually have the... Uh, impetus for innovation you know that's so important right and again when i talk about cognitive right it's basically the core skills that are involved in your brain to explore Mm -hmm. learn think and figure out how to solve problems you know that that'll include things like attention short-term memory long-term memory logic and reasoning Mm -hmm. uh, auditory processing visual processing and things like that and the language and communication is just basically the type of language you use and how you communicate with others. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the social and emotional is both the intrapersonal and interpersonal skills. This includes a child's experience, uh, expression, management of emotions, mm-hmm. and the ability to establish positive and rewarding relationship with others. So again, I go through, I dissect this in the book, exactly what this means and how it's important for you to reinforce and mimic this so you can have that as part of their DNA, part of their subconscious. And this is an interesting part that just blew me away when I was doing the cognitive research. Uh These childhood development skills are also directly linked to our 21st century skills. Because currently we live in the digital industrial age, industry 4.0. And they talk about three critical skills and they are cognitive, mm-hmm. intrapersonal skills and interpersonal skills. It was like, I, I got goosebumps when I was reading through that. It's like, wow, okay. That's why it kind of makes sense together. Understand how you were cognitively wired. Yeah. Now you know why you messed up the way you were, right? Okay, <laughs> exactly. now that you know that, okay, great. There's hope. It's, it doesn't mean that if you miss the boat between zero to five, you're out of luck. Mm-hmm. You can still do it, but that's where the habit formation comes in. The neural pathways, new neural pathway forming comes in. Right. So as you can tell, I get excited about it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as a teacher, when we talk about reading, we talk about the same thing that reading actually begins when they're toddlers. So by them climbing on the monkey bars, by them picking up rocks and exploring, by their eyes tracking back and forth, all of those things are the pre-reading 
getting their body ready and their mind ready for mm-hmm. when they are introduced to the print and to the words and how to follow along on the text or make inferences from the pages because they've been doing that from all over the world around them. Okay, amazing, amazing. Yeah, and Herb, you mentioned about curiosity and the four C's. Mm-hmm. You know, what made me what I am is because I was a curious child from the get-go, ever since I was young. You know, I got into all kinds of trouble. I wanted to discover because I was told to yeah. not take things for granted. You know, I question why it is. But what happens when the child asks, why, mommy, why, daddy? Because I said so. No, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> you want to sit down and, you know, tell them why it is the way it is. And if you don't know the answer, it's okay. That's another teaching moment. It's like, let's figure it out together. Mom and dad don't know this, you know? So that's the whole thing about learning and unlearning as well. Yeah. So, One of the things that I kind of heard quite a bit as I got a little older was, was you look with your eyes, not with your hands. And actually in that zero to five age, it's like children do look with their hands. They do need to touch things. They do need to play with things. So if you always are taking stuff away from your kids and, oh, just put them in front of the television, then they are missing so much of their learning opportunities by not being able to touch and hold and grasp things. Because even as young children, that's, that is so important for how they learn to be able to curiosity, curiously touch and feel and thing and look at and move objects around in space. That's, that's so critical to even later development in life. You're absolutely right. You know, the, the concept of pruning applies as well, because if you don't use it, guess what? You're going to lose it, right? Exactly. So it's yeah. important that you culture that and motivate, you know, harness that. Because when you really look at curiosity, it's basically uh, having a strong desire to learn and know something. And like I said earlier, it's actually a catalyst for innovation yes. since uh, it will spark the you know, intrinsic motivation to learn, experience, and understand the environment of the world. And teachers speak is called love of learning. If you have that curiosity, if you have that love of learning, you learn just for learning's sake. You learn because you're interested in something, not because someone's like pushing facts and figures at you. Yeah. yeah. And you brought up another point, which is important, the word love, right? Mm-hmm. One of the four C's is compassion yes right it's and i look at it as a it's a sympathetic conscientious of others distress to get there with a desire to alleviate right mm-hmm. and in order to do that it will require a sound cognitive skill to bring awareness needed to, in terms of recognize there is suffering or unease and right. then actually having the cognitive ability to bring awareness and the ability to make you feel emotionally moved by the plight of others not only trying to just understand, but also, you know, attempt to take action to relieve that suffering. Right. And how cool would that be? You know, if every child grew up with that. And the human body is basically the, like two forms, right? We got like, we are wired to be fight or flight mm-hmm. or growth, right? You got the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system, right? And fight and flight is how we are wired. That's how our ancestors survived because, oh my God, I got to run away from the tiger or the dinosaur or whatever, right? But a continuous focus on that stage prolongs, you know, that stage, you'll give you stress. So it's important that because at the same time, when you're in fight or flight, you're shutting down the creativity. Right. So if the child is in stress, guess what? You're shutting down the growth. So that's why compassion is so important. Hugging them, holding them, you know, showing them that you're safe, right? Yeah. And then now they can grow. The creativity part will come in, right? 
So that's so important. And a lot of people like, no, let him cry or, you know, whatever. Like, you know, I, I don't want to get my soapbox in that. But <laughs> Well, I mean, there's definitely times to let them struggle because that's also a learning time, but it's not struggle to the extreme. It's struggle to the point of, oh, I can figure out something or, oh, I can work my way through this, but not to, yeah, the distress point. You are absolutely right. And I always say it's common sense still applies. <laughs> right <laughs> let's see sometimes we wonder sometimes though is common sense still out there you know it's like let's let's think about this right common sense doesn't seem so common anymore <laughs> exactly exactly but that's so, why discussions are very important to help show people and help people learn and listen oh wait i didn't think about it like that maybe i need to think about this point and also yeah. Yeah. And sometimes as the parents get older and, and they get stressed and they're in their own place to, to be able to sit and have the energy to to hold that child and to allow that. It, it seems a lot of times right now that it's easier just to say, oh, put them in front of a television. Oh, let's do this and just kind of leave them alone on their own. And so where the parent is the best toy, then it, a lot of times the stress of the parent is taking the best options away from the children. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And there's tons of research done as well, you know, empirical research where, you know, the biggest one is the one in uh, Romania where the child were abandoned. I forgot the name of the gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. And you saw this, you know, the, what happened to their development, you know, was totally demolished. Right. right. So it's important that you have that. And if you can provide that, make sure you have somebody who's there to provide that because it's your responsibility. You brought this child into this world. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. One of the things that um, I just spoke about recently was how to help your child through a traumatic experience or trauma with the family. And what Herb was just saying about the parent being so stressed that they, you know, kind of leave the child off on their own devices. But then what I was talking about was that if you do that, the child's mind goes to the fact of, oh, what did I do wrong that mom and dad are so upset? Or what did I do wrong that I can't you know, get their attention anymore. So one of the things I mentioned during that talk was to make sure that you talk to your children and explain to them, I'm going through something traumatic right now. I don't want you to feel like you're the cause of it, or you have to do something different to get my attention to let them know. So it goes back to that. Um, the compassion you were talking about is really sharing as much as you can with your children in an age appropriate way that they understand that it's not them, it's you dealing with something and that hopefully you can get yourself under control and come mm -hmm. back around and be with them in a loving relationship close and developing again. Yeah, two points to piggyback on that. Uh -huh. One of the things that I, when I work with all my leaders mm -hmm. is one of the true leadership skills is to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You don't know all the answers, mm -hmm. right? right? The wisdom is in the collective. Right. So if you mess up, make sure you own up and things like that. Right. So, again, same principles apply to the parent. Right. Be vulnerable with your child. Show them what vulnerability is. Right. Get them comfortable with that. Right. And then see how you overcome that. Yeah. Right. And because most of the time what the parents will do, like they say, oh, like say they did get a C in your paper or whatever. They say you got to try harder. How am I going to try harder if you haven't showed me how to try harder? What to do to get there? Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. but that's the easy, easy way out, try harder. So that's one. The other thing is the emotion. 
right? Rather than suppressing the emotion, if they're angry or mad or whatever, don't suppress it. Like, don't be mad. Don't cry and things like that. It's like, no, it's okay to cry. Tell me why you're crying. You know, everybody goes through this emotion. What's going on? Let's figure it out. Oh, did Tommy hit you? Why did he hit you? Because you grabbed his toy. Okay. How would you feel if you were to do it? Just reason with them. It's okay to get mad. But again, all this whole thing about the empathy and things like that. So vulnerability is number one thing that I talk about to my leaders. And the other one is empathy, you know, empathizing with your employees, right? Mm -hmm. And that's also missing. And it really came to head during COVID when they're working from home. Right. It's like, I don't know whether they are productive working from home and things like that. Well, that's on you. Right. <laughs> you need to make sure you give them a task that, you know, they can complete, whether it's take them eight hours or four hours. It's on you to make sure you get the right task. And things like that. So there's a lot of connectivity between what happens during childhood mm-hmm. to what happens when you're an adult. Absolutely. And there's so many research as well. Even when you're suppressing emotion, you see a lot of criminals. It's because of that childhood trauma, what they went through there. You know, so, yeah. I can go on or not. Yeah, that, that's the whole like clean your room. And then they come in and it's like, well, your room's not clean. Clean your room. And it's like, how do you clean your room? Teach them how to clean the rooms. Like this, you pick this up, you put this here. Is there's and so you find the spaces. So it's not just, hey, go do this. It's it's being with, especially with the young kids at that age, it's it's giving them the steps. And if you do that, then as they get older, then they can start to learn the steps themselves. So when they do get a challenge, it's like, okay, well, now I know that there are steps and what are the steps I have to get to, to reach this goal that I have. I agree with you. I agree with you. And there is also, you know, we talked earlier about technology and things like that, like tons of great technology, mm-hmm. but rather than being a slave to that technology, what you want to teach them is how do you use that technology to even empower yourself and even further yourself much further, you know, in advance in every different area. A good example is chat GPT, <laughs> you know, a lot of, the big a lot buzz of, right now. <laughs> a lot of people saying, Oh no, you know, the, 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 the paper, you know, a lot of professors were freaking out. It's like, Oh my God, now the students are going to cheat and things like that. I was like, no, maybe, maybe you should give them something more difficult where they can enhance their writing skills or critical thinking skills mm-hmm. by using chat GPT, right? So right. again, how do you utilize this technology to advance yourself rather than using them as a babysitter or a substitute to parenting? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah, we have to find that balance in that technology because it can definitely be helpful. And then there's times where it should just go away so we can do other things together, like take a walk exactly. <laughs> outside. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I was passionate about this book. It's like, it was basically a gift to society. It's like, hey, I did the research for you. You know, this is not something I came up with. What I did was I got all the different research on the neuroscience and the cognitive science and the early childhood development skills and things like that. Put it all together in bite-sized format. Just implement it. It's not going to cost you a penny besides buying the book. It's not going to cost you that much. Everything is in there. And the return on investment is going to be like, 1000 fold because of your child you know so that's my hope wanted to get the message out to as many people as i could and i'm so happy that you guys got me here so hopefully your audience get some benefit and they're more than welcome to reach out to me as well absolutely yes and you know having those actionable steps is so important because like you said in our busy crazy world if you give them a whole big list to do that won't happen but having small bite-sized chunks is the way to go and that's the way to go with our children you know our children need to have those little steps that they can accomplish and feel good about 
and then move on to the next step and the next step and help build that growth and um, emotion and confidence. Exactly. And I also give the parents and the childcare providers to a tool as well. Uh, mm -hmm. It's pretty common. It's called start, stop, continue, right? Okay. As you're going through this nurturing process, what are some of the things that you want to do in terms of your behaviors and actions that you're not doing that you should start doing, uh -huh. right? That's the start. And right. then what are some of the things or actions that you're doing that is detrimental to where you want the child to be? So you should stop doing <laughs> And what are some of the things that you're already doing that you should either amp up or continue doing? That's to continue. Mm -hmm. So it's the start, stop, continue. It's real simple. Take a daily start. It's like, okay, how did I do? Oh, at, at the end of the week, how did I do? You know, where did I fall off? And the key thing here is not to be judgmental, not to beat yourself up, you know, right. more so on being uh, discerning, blameless discernment. It's like, okay, I didn't do what I said I was going to do. Okay, fine. Don't beat yourself up. What can I do to get corrected, you know, so I can get back on the path to what I need to do, which is best for my child. So the blameless discernment is important. And uh, yeah, just keep doing it over and over again until it becomes habit. So that actually kind of leads into another thing that I read in your book that seemed rather important to you. And that was what's going on with our school systems right now. Yeah. Christina was a Christina was a second grade teacher, actually K through five, five. For, for 27 years, yeah. specifically, mostly like liking the early grades. Uh -huh. And one of the reasons that she actually got out of the education is they stopped being allowed to teach the children um, how to learn, how to how to want to learn. And instead, they were being forced to teach facts. And so even like in the last couple of years, it's like, oh, on this day, every second grader needs to be reading this page in this book. And then on Friday, you need to be doing this, this test. test and this. So the individuality and the learning was taking out of it. And instead, they were like pushing facts to a test. And so that that learning that ability to grow on themselves within themselves mm -hmm. was taken away. And like right now in Oregon, I think it's like 80% of our, of our children are graduating with less than a sixth grade reading level. And actually less than 50% of the children in school are actually graduating right now. So our education system is actually, it's almost designed to like stop teaching children. Mm -hmm. And so the, the role of parents to to step in and supplement that is incredible at this point. So how how does your book help parents understand that and move into that being able to to start taking more of their children from the facts to learning to love again? I guess the biggest thing is getting involved, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding what's being thought, how's my child progressing because it's not a one size fits all, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes when you see the student teacher population, it's also very different ratio. It's also very difficult to do the individual attention, right? Yeah. So you have to supplement as a parent as well, right? And what you talked about really, really is something that's near and dear to me because that's what I wrote my thesis on for my PhD um, on the graduation rate. You know, as students were progressing from middle school to high school, whew, everything went down. And why is that? I actually went and interviewed teachers and things like that. <clears throat> and there were so many different constraints as well, you know, and issues. Some of them would teach a motivation, right? Because regardless of what they do, you know, they get paid and they know when somebody's going to come and do the observation. And that's when they do the better job of teaching, yeah, right? right? <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, it's just like hurting the cats, right? Yeah. And 
also they're supposed to follow a common core or a certain curriculum, like what right. you said, and you can't deviate. But no, that's not, you know, the road memorization is not the way to teach people, right? Because yep. that's not the true world. Yeah. So you need to give them, you know, problems which could have multiple solutions or which can even give much, multiple problems out of that because that's what the real world is. So how are you equipping them to operate in that, right? And I know for a while, the flip model was also very popular right. where they actually tell you to go read this and then, you know, answer the question. And then during the class, it's where we're going to discuss you know, okay, well, how did you think about solving this problem? And then you kind of have to the right question. And I do the same thing, even with the executive, right? Because when you have an executive who is seasoned, before a direct report comes to them and asking for a question, hey, how do I solve this? You probably have a gazillion different ideas how to do it. But instead of doing that, pause and then ask them the clarifying question. Why do you want to do that? Because you want to let them grow. Yeah. Right. You don't want them coming, running to the teacher or the parent all the time. So you ask clarifying question. You always acknowledge great job, great starting point. Now, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought yeah. about this risk or this assumption and things like that? And right. that shows them how to go through the thinking process to solve a problem. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Those are the things that need to be. And parents also need to get involved and find out what did you learn in school? Most of the time it's like, oh, nothing. You know, that's what the common response that you get, but ask the right question, right? Correct. Yeah. You got yeah. you don't, you don't want to grill the children, you know, well, tell me everything, but you know, you have that conversation or you build that communication style where you can ask those probing questions and get more out of them. Exactly. And I always share with what my experience was, hey, this is what I did. And now they, you know, I tell them, so kind of plant the seeds, right? Right. Uh, something like that happened to you too, you know, and then you get the conversation going little by little. So different techniques, you know, if you don't know what it is, YouTube it, Google it. There's so many different <laughs> ways of communicating with your child. So yeah. don't take it in an excuse like, oh, my child never responds to me. He always says no, you know, things like that. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, there, there's also the whole, um, the, the changes in the way stuff is done. So she she was a second grade teacher for a lot of years. I I helped her grade a lot of papers. And then one year, you know, I did math. I was great at math. And yeah. instant calculator. Um, <laughs> and then one day she brought home math and she's like, oh, grade these. And I'm like reading through this. And I was like, I can't do second grade math anymore. Mm. So wow. the stuff that they're trying to teach and have the kids do and look at, to me, it's not math. So there's a lot of parents who understand that two plus two is four. But now they're not teaching two plus two is four. They're teaching this weird graphing and putting things on the paper and coming up with lots of different ways. And so parents look at that kind of stuff and it's like, what do I do with this? And so there's also this disconnect now between the way they're trying to teach children and what, what the parents know. So again, how do we start to bridge that, that kind of a gap between... The, the changes in what they're trying to teach and how we were taught and what we think. Yeah. You know, you, you brought up something else there. I try to understand, you know, this is not going to be like a bashing the teachers or parents, yeah. right? No, it's not. It's just trying to understand like what's in it for me. You know, why are you teaching in the first place, right? You chose this profession for a reason, right? right? And how can we make sure it is fulfilling for you, the child, and also the parent, right? Right. So is that the role of the principal to find that out? Perhaps, or a superintendent, perhaps, right? 
but you know, I, I have a lot of admiration for doctors and teachers and uh, first responders and all these folks, right? But again, you got to find out what their motivation is, you know, and then try to tap into that yeah. and inspire them to be the best teacher they can do, be. And that's one of the things that I do as well as an executive coach. I work a lot on mental fitness right. to understand what is your inspiration, you know, and uh, there is a famous author. He just passed away two years ago, Victor Frankl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has a famous quote saying between st- stimulus and response, mm-hmm. there is space. And in that space lies our power to respond, right? And in that response is our growth and freedom. Right? Yeah. Because we live in such a reactive world. Everything mm-hmm. is reactive. We are so judgmental. So yes. one of the things that I teach when I work with my, all my leaders and all my clients is, how can we do the pause? How can we extend the pause? So you're not operating 90% of the time in a reactive mode rather than the creative mode. Again, it goes back to fight or flight yep. versus growth, right? They're all interconnected, right? But again, we are reactive because that's part of the subconscious. We parked it already because that's what we were taught. Similar right. to driving a car from point A to point B. We don't think about it. We're thinking of a billion other things, Right. That's part of the subconscious. And that's how we operate 95% of the time. So how can we take time and pause, whether it is through mindfulness or whatever you want to call it, so that you can extend the pace and then tap into your creativity and respond in a calm, clear-headed manner where you have something that is a win-win-win for everybody and we all are happy. Turn those instant reactions and give it a pause and turn the reaction into a response. And then people can become responsible. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. And but and every one of us have something called saboteurs, right? We, we one of the biggest ones is judge, right? We judge ourselves, we judge others, we judge the circumstances, right? And they those judges, right, are right. basically lies to you saying that we're good for you. You know, that's what made you what you are. And things like, like, no, you know, to me, the judge or any kind of saboteurs in your life are considered like early warning indicators, like yeah. touching your hand on your stove. Like, ah, that's hot. I better not do that. Right. But guess what a lot of people do? You leave their hand there <laughs> <laughs> for the extended yeah. period. So that's what happened. So again, the pause is all about, okay, I know, you know, it's coming. So how can I pause so I can get into more of a sage mode and then respond appropriately? I love that. That is something I think that a lot of parents can really take away. It's like, find that pause before you react. Yeah. And then I love to turn it into a response. So you're responsible. You understand what you're doing and why you're reacting that way or saying what you're saying. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And again, another thing that I take into my corporate world as well, being responsible versus accountable. You know, there's a difference between those two, you know. Uh, yeah, so many, so many interlinks between early childhood development and what you are as a leader and just an employee. I love this. Oh, it has been so wonderful talking with you and talking about how to help our parents be better parents, get those brains connected, hardwire to rewire. Um, it's been a great time talking with you. Thank you so much. It's like, you know, I enjoyed this. And like I said, uh, I have additional resources on my website. Your audience can go check them out. I'm more than happy to talk to them. I also do a lot of speaking and workshops as well. So I'll be more than happy to help anyone spread the word. Use this. We need it. We have, what, 141 million children born every year. 
globally. <laughs> let's, let's not bring them up in trauma. Let's bring them up with help and support so we don't have to keep rehealing. Let's let's get them there without all of this. That would be really exactly. Wonderful. So we will have all of your links and information in your bio, but so they can hear it from you. How can how can our families get a hold of you if they would like to get a hold of you? Where where can they get a hold of you? What resources do you have for them? Probably the best resource will be my website. www.drravirajaratnam.com. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter, and uh, I don't really do much Facebook, but yeah, website will be the best resources. I have a lot of links to it as well in terms from the Center of Disease Control with early childhood development skills and things like that as well. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And then um, there was a free gift that you were going to put in the with us as well. It's like a way to get a hold of your book and then talk with you a little bit. Yes. Like that. I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> but no worries. No worries. Yeah. If you would, if you get my book and you put in a review, an Amazon review, because we all run through algorithms, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I will give you a complimentary, you know, 30 minute coaching. So I'll send you the link as well for that. So you can click on that and schedule time with me, whether wow. you want to talk about parenting or whether you want to talk about your own self-development, you know, things like that. Because I do a lot of that as well, personal development and professional development, especially in the corporate world, coming in as a whole person, because what goes on, goes on at home can also carry over to the workplace. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wonderful. Do you have any other speaking engagements or anything coming up that you would like to tell our families about? Or you Not just here. There's one, there's one that I'm working on right now in Singapore. So nothing okay. local yet. Yeah. Got it. Perfect. Well, we will make sure that all of your information is down in the show notes. And we, again, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us and helping our parents understand a little bit more about their child development, the brain, and how to hopefully make things better. And actually, before we wrap up, oh, is yeah. there something that we didn't <laughs> cover that you like, oh man, I wish we had talked about this today. I really want their folks to know about this. Is there something, is there, is there a final takeaway that you would like to leave our families with? As a parent, especially as a mom, you are a gift and a blessing to your child. So step up and be that gift and blessing because who I am today is thanks to my mom, who was a great role model, thanks to my eldest sister, who is a great role model, and then even my current role models, which is my wife and my youngest daughter. You know, she's 22. I still learn a lot from her, right? Mm -hmm. Being vulnerable and saying that I don't know everything because I like to know your perspective. So again, that's what I would like to say. Awesome. That Thank is a beautiful you. message to end with. Thank awesome. you very much for being here today. Thank right. you. Thank you, everybody. And make sure you follow our show, give us some reviews and check out all the information in our show notes. Bye for now.